When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast, everybody. And it's review time. Just me and Scott this week, no Lou. And me and Scott are going to go over a little bit of a review of the 2021 season. Scott is with us, and I'm sure he wants to talk to me about that silly team competition as well that happened recently. <laughs> but I've already talked um, to America. I, I think, but we'll see where we go with that because I don't think anyone even cares about that. This is going to be easy to say in hindsight, but I literally <laughs> did almost say I expect this to be a absolute wash because I was like, this team is really, really good. And when I look at it, I'm like, I always just look at stuff like even if you're great in golf, you've got like a 60, 40 edge, any of these guys in any of the match play events. And but if you actually look at the math of how many points there are and you give them a 60, 40 edge. Like it's kind of a butt kicking. It's amazing how often it is a one point match, which shows you really how much parity there is. Yeah. Totally. Just this one I'm looking at, I'm like, dude, I just feel like this team and with everything, like I really was close to it, but I was like, if you, if you call a blowout and then it's not, that's going to look terrible. So I went for three points, which is a pretty big butt kicking. I didn't see this coming though. Like no. that was so we, we, we've kicked it straight off with you talking about the Ryder Cup. I didn't think we needed to talk about the Ryder Well, let's get it out of the way. You just love it. Lou was <laughs> saying just straight in with the Ryder Cup. Like, all right, calm down, boys. Like You, you could have brought it up third. <laughs> you can't bring it up and just, then... Yeah, just to stay on the Ryder Cup then, let's start with the Ryder Cup because it was an amazing, let's call it, end to the 2021 season. And it was an amazing victory for the United States. And even as I'm a... Team Europe, and we've done an episode on this. Me and Lou did one last week. Um, it, it was an amazing thing, and I, I, I was still, I still think it was an amazing event, even though we got our butts handed to us. Um, when you look back at, say, Le Golf National, and you talk about amazing teams, the, the team that America brought to Le Golf National, and I said this in the pod with uh, Lou last week, the team was amazing. On paper, again, it was amazing. But we, there was only, I think it was only one and a half points difference to this result. So we won by like whatever it is, six and a half points. Did you really? I don't even Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was literally one and a half point different to this score. 
So you got 10 and a half to whatever that works out. We got basically, I think it was yeah. opposed to our nine to 19. Uh, you can tell there my basic arithmetic is pretty poor because I'm trying to work that out on the fly and I still haven't done it. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to, I'm, I'm looking up on the other chart. Yeah. So and it, a half to 10 and a half. Yeah. yeah so, I, did, I definitely so, didn't know and, it was that big. And if you look at that team, you've got Woods, Kepka, JT, Ricky Fowler, when he obviously was more of the Ricky Fowler, Webb Simpson, like the team was great as well. And it shows you, I think, with the Ryder Cup, just how on a knife edge it always is. Like, even though that was our butts handed to us, you know lots of those points were close and it came down to certain... I mean, that's what sprint golf's great for and why the Ryder Cup is so brilliant to watch because mm -hmm. it's it's car wreck golf, isn't it? It's like sitting on the corner of an F1. You know, you don't want to sit on the straight. You want to get on the bit where they might bang into the walls or whatever. It's that kind of golf. And it was an amazing victory. Um, oh, and you guys won seven of eight points in the afternoon of, of the first day and the morning of the second day. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's just, you're just done. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, well, the Ryder cup was, was a fantastic thing. What, what's been your highlight of 2021 on the PGA tour for you? What, what's been the, your personal highlight and maybe one of golf's highlights? Cause obviously you're going to have personal highlights with, um, Will Zalatoris, I presume, as yeah, well as I mean, maybe golf one. So tell us a bit about your personal highlights. I mean, it's clearly Zalatoris. I mean, yeah. it, it really is kind of fun to have what I would consider to be two of the biggest stories in golf over the last year, be Deschambeau and Zalatoris, which would be two, I mean, literally the first two players that I worked with. Yeah. And so it was a pretty amazing, you know, 18 months. It was just, it was such a long year. But man, watching, you know, Bryson do what he did with the distance, which is just insane, and then actually get it onto the course and win a couple times and have a bunch of great finishes. And then just to watch Zalatoris just, I mean, again, I just, I can't explain how crazy it is to watch a kid who you've known since he was nine. You know, you, you watch Justin Thomas and all these other young players do, and it's like, whatever, you know, they're probably superhuman, but yeah. Like, I love you, Will, but I know you're an idiot. You're just a young kid like, <laughs> like everyone else. And to actually yeah. watch someone like that go through the struggles we all go through. It's not, they're not just rock stars from birth. It's, there's a lot of up and downs on this path, a lot of frustration and tears along the way. And so just from a satisfaction standpoint of watching him do it was amazing. But then also just, I, I feel like I would have enjoyed watching it even if I'd never met the guy, because it was just incredible to have a kid come out there and literally not have status and it lead was Cinderella story stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, lead the world in top tens. Yeah, <clears throat> it just... was literally Bill Murray, Caddyshack kind of stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon Will in the back of his head on each shot was sat was like over each shot going, "Got two hundred and twenty-five yards. Got about a seven iron." You know, I reckon he was literally <laughs> that's about a nine iron for him. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sadly, the Bill Murray the Bill Murray distances from that scene have actually become realistic. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, honestly, that and then just seriously, just combining that with with DeChambeau and and just watching him even just this week make it into the top 32 in the world long drive like that's amazing. Again, I don't think people can appreciate how ridiculous that is like, OK, Brooks and Rory hit it far. That's like me saying, you know what? I'm like, I'm a pretty strong guy. You take me into a high school gym. I'm going to be able to lift some weights with those kids. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'll, I'll push some weight around. Now take me to an NFL locker room. And I'm going to look like a yeah. child. Yeah, And absolutely. Bryson 
literally is competing in the NFL of distance right now. And sure, he was, you know, a very astute point. Like the wind was right for him to actually be able to compete. And he's like, there's certain winds I got no chance on in a certain wind because of being able to control flight and spin and just other stuff that I can hang with them a little bit better. Yeah. And still have to be moving that club 145 miles an hour, whatever it is. It's insane. It's unbelievable. And you know that he's just bringing that experience, power and craziness, if we, for want of a better word, you know, he's just slowly working that into every part of his game. So he is literally morphing those two skills together where it had, they've been very standalone skills. The long drivers are long drivers. You know, I've played with long drivers and a few of them play off scratch and they're like four or five handicappers, which subject to you know your handicap who's listening to this people think four or five handicaps good and you know it's good because the average handicap is like whatever it is 20 handicaps so four or five handicap is good but four or five handicap in the realms of golf is literally nothing like it's beyond low in standard um so there, there was long drivers and then there were tall pros and he is totally just like literally fusing them together isn't it which is i where people get so worried and panicked i i think similar to you i'm just excited by that i, I oh. don't I, I don't see i do see why people are worried i think they don't need to be <laughs> and I, and i think and i also think when it actually comes to that point them and us will all be gone anyway. So it won't be our worry. And we could say, oh, we've we got to defend the game for the future and all this kind of thing. I don't think we do. I, I trust my kids no. to, to take the world on. And I'm sure you do yours and their kids. Like, I just I just don't think golf needs a steward so much as it much. I always think there's too many laminated signs in golf. Do you, do you, do you, does that translate to American? No, but I know, you know what, what you that mean. Means? Yeah, yeah. There's two. I go to golf clubs and it says, don't step on this grass. Don't chip on this screen. Don't do a practice swing on this tee. Don't go up this slope. Don't like, where's the sign saying, do have fun. Do go and hit this ball over there. Go and enjoy yourself. Why don't you wave at another golfer? Like, where are those signs? It's all don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. I, I remember going to one tournament once, walking to the first tee. I think I saw four laminated signs telling me not to do something. I just thought, this just feels nasty, out. this place. <laughs> <laughs> well, the key to it is, I mean, again, just a respecting what an athlete is doing, what a person with hard work is doing. Yeah. And, and it is hard work. And yeah, I mean, whatever technology helps you swing it fast. Okay, great. Whatever. But yeah. the guy put in a lot of work. I mean, honestly, I was having a conversation with my sports psychologist, Dr. Dr. Larden, literally this week, because I'm really trying to game plan out what I'm going to do. I mean, for the next five years at a minimum, I'm, I'm really going to try to put in some effort and, one of my problems is I'm, and I'm, I'm getting close to finally finalizing a deal with one of the golf magazines to, to write a monthly piece on chasing the champions tour. Cool. And what Dr. Larn was like, the only thing I would say, Scott, is that before you do this, go spend a good month or two really lifting hard, really putting that effort in and make sure you're enjoying it. Because if you sign up for this and you start telling everybody, you're going to try to replicate what oh, Bryson good did. Good advice. Really you good might, advice. Yeah. You might get four months in and be like, Oh my God, this, this sucks. Yeah. This is not yeah, yeah. at all. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like nobody in their right mind at, at your local club is going to put in the work to actually do what Bryson's is doing in distance. Like, no, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Are supply chain issues still disrupting your operations? Graybar has you covered. As a leader in distribution of electrical, communications, data networking, and industrial products, 
professionals across the country rely on Graybar's nationwide logistics network to get them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. Operating with one clear mission, to serve as the vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. Their nationwide logistics network, with over 290 locations across the country, assists owners and professionals with building and maintaining the operations in our electrical, communications, and industrial world by getting them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. Being able to effectively navigate supply chains to get products on-site and on-time is crucial these days, and Graybar's nationwide logistics network is a game-changer in keeping projects on task. To view more information on their services, head to graybar.com. That's G-R-A-Y-B-A-R.com. Yep, Graybar does that. It's not even going to happen at the tour level. I mean, again, like there's nothing I want more than to play on the Champions Tour. And it is a very reasonable question. Do you actually want to put that work in? Like, yeah, easy to say you do, but actually doing it. So yeah. that thing with, I mean, again, it's just, it's just incredible to watch Bryson actually do what he, I mean, I walked some, our corporate tent was on 16 at the Ryder Cup last week. And the way that yeah. that course works along the water you five is the furthest point on the golf course and navigating in and out of the people. Like it's a beating to walk all the way over there. And I walked my butt all the way from our 10 on 16, all the way over to five solely to hit, to watch Bryson hit that tee shot on five. And literally everybody's just standing around drinking and not paying any attention. And I was the only one with laser beams on the corner where that, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's gotta be getting close. And all of a sudden I saw it land and I was like, Wow. Oh my God. And I'm yeah. literally, I was the first one to be like, look at that. And like, yeah. I'm not a screamer or a cheer or anything, but I literally screamed my head off because I was like, <laughs> he's chipping. Like, yeah, he legitimately could have putted it. It would have been a big putting stroke, but he could have yeah. putted that ball onto the green. I'm like, yeah, just yeah. for, just for the sake of pointing at the scoreboard to put it on a 600 yard par five would be insane so absolutely so zalatoris and what bryson's doing i like that as your highlight so let's take a look back at the year's majors starting with the masters so obviously we had masuama win uh, the masters at the start of the year so he became the first japanese golfer to win the men's major golf championship i'm reading that in front of me um like that's pretty crazy isn't it for japan golf and just golf in general uh, even though Often, I, I don't know the easiest way to say this. I do think sometimes maybe a Japanese winner isn't what the media want always to see sometimes because obviously an American winner selling to an American public is an easier sell for their publications or what have you. But to finally have a Japanese winner at the Masters, I, I just think was amazing. And obviously we don't hear that enough because that'll be in their press more than it'll be in ours. It'll be in ours for like a couple of days and then we'll just constantly keep forgetting about it. Um, you know, that, that was an amazing kickstart to the year. And obviously back to your point with Zalatoris, I'm looking at who was second in that. Will Zalatoris on his own, second in the Masters. <laughs> that was his first Masters, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, and here's a kid that literally... Hang on, rookies are not allowed to play Augusta. I've always been told rookies can't play Augusta. I mean, it's insane, isn't it? I mean, to literally so, get your world ranking high enough that you get in the Masters. And the and thing about just, it is, is even like like the U.S. Open where he finished sixth at, at Wingfoot, the way that the Corn Ferry status and all this stuff, like it was just going to, it was going to, like Davis Riley, Davis, love you, buddy, the guy that I've done some work with, but 
everybody is signing up for the 2021 PGA Tour season coming from the top 10 Corn Ferry, kind of knowing this season's going to suck. I'm going to be playing the alternate field events on the tour. I'm going to be trying yeah. to make sure I keep my status on the Corn Ferry Tour. Like, I certainly didn't want to say it to either. I'm like, this year is going to suck. But like, I'm looking at it like, this is going to be awful. And yeah. for Will to come out and finish sixth that first week in the U.S. Open, which then is going to open up the temporary status so he can, temporary member, so he can get unlimited sponsors invites. It, it just, it literally was worth millions of dollars. And then to show up again at the Masters, like you say, and win 1.2 million, when here's a kid that literally didn't have a couple hundred grand in the bank. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. 15 months it? ago, yeah. it's, it's insane. an insane amount of money. I mean, money. just seeing that second in the Masters, first Masters. And obviously Hideki Matsuyama winning this fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, you it well, was just, a, it was a, he, he has been knocking on the door of, of, I mean, he is an international superstar in the golf. I mean, obviously in Japan, he must just be like gold dust, but he, he's a he's a global name, isn't he? But just to get out there and win that first major and it to be at Augusta, well, I, I, I that was close to one of my highlights, to be fair. I thought it was really special. It's actually meant more to me. Over the last couple of days, I've been watching the Naomi Osaka uh, documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Who obviously she won the US Open as a 20-year-old and then has gone on to the world number one and also then had the mental struggles that go along with it because, and this is where it's interesting. Maybe this will not strike people as an American statement, but like, I actually hate nationalism. I think that nationalism and religion, like is one of the main things that separates our world. And when I think of us, like as humans going to another planet, we're not going to be going there as Americans. We're going there as America as, as, as humans. And I really do feel like most wars. So I actually really actually don't like nationalism type stuff. But when you watch a Naomi win the first women's major as it, it does matter, like as an American, like we've been pretty good at a lot of stuff for a long yeah. time. So I don't really get to have that. Yay. We finally did it feeling. Yeah, and so yeah. to watch it, you realize, wow, this really does mean a lot to them. And then you take a Hideki and, yeah. and it's like, wow, it was, it is a really cool thing. Absolutely. To, uh, to, to be able to pull that off. Really, really impressive. I mean, Absolutely. I just can't imagine staying focused in that yeah. kind of environment and not just losing your mind. Well, that's where you do just to go to the cliche and you rely on the process and you rely on everything that you've worked towards. It's so much. It's, it's You've done. But I remember doing public talks when I was younger, like you'd win an event and you have to do a speech. And that was always nerve wracking. And I always quite enjoyed public speaking, but you still got nervous going on you don't remember half like people say do you remember doing this or do you remember saying that or do you remember seeing that person in the crowd and i just think i don't remember any of it i just yeah. don't remember I, and they, they you know you'd come off and they'd go cool, you did really well you sounded really confident and i think did i i didn't even know what was i was just literally <laughs> on autopilot just trusting myself which is well, must you, be what they're going when they're getting to that kind of level of pressure i think you know, that's where the hours and hours and hours of repeat just take over a little bit, like driving a car at high speed almost, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, the cinematic moment of his caddy taking the flag off, Bow. and yeah. bowing, just everything. Like, honestly, like I'm the biggest crybaby on earth. Like even just saying that, like almost chokes me up a little bit because it's yeah. like if I were watching a movie and saw that, I'd be like, oh, whatever. And yeah. then but watching In like, oh, life. this is really happening. Like he actually yeah. has that emotion and actually means that. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty, pretty damn cool. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on then to the PGA Championship, uh, Kiora Island, uh, Ocean Course. God, what a year. Uh, Phil Mickelson. <laughs> Phil Mickelson. I forgot to look back at this and I forgot that. Phil Blumen. Seriously. Mickelson. 
So at 50, Phil Mickelson become the oldest golfer to win a major championship. Like, Phil, the thrill. I mean, it's and you got Brooks Kepka second, Podrick Harrington fourth, Shane Lowry joint fourth. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? For yep. those two. Uh, and then you've got Paul Casey also joint fourth. So God, you, one, you guys have got a great Ryder Cup. Keep, that's a hell of a Ryder Cup team that we've got through in there. <laughs> <laughs> you've had that turn it was in may yeah absolutely and that kind of shows what i mean about the Ryder cup doesn't it like i i I said to people i've said it in our podcast and i said it on another video someone asked me about i reckon you could have just played that Ryder cup the wednesday after the thursday it started and the chance of being that score again well i wouldn't bet on it being that score again ever like it's just not going to come out like that again is it um but anyway phil winning a major at 50 unbelievable wasn't it I mean, absolutely. Again, as a guy who, as you start getting a little bit older, you realize it's just not easy. As we were just saying, it's just not easy to keep going and keep going. And here's Phil, just like a Stuart sink working on their body. Really? Again, this is the one thing that I hope our followers and listeners take away from this. Like not just arguing with the architecture crowd to argue with them, whatever I'm arguing to say like, Hey, just because you're 50 doesn't mean they are about to stick you in the grave. You can improve, especially yeah. if you're not in good shape. You can, you've got a lot of room to improve. And so why not try and to watch a guy like Phil? It is just incredible to take two guys like Phil and Stewart that have just been great at golf since they were 10 to yeah. just, for whatever reason, you've just got some idiosyncrasy in your body where you just know how to play golf, but to be doing it over however many decades it is, it's, it's just it's it really is to to maintain it, that level of intensity and it's great for our sport isn't it like you're not going to get federer going into his 30s still competing is amazing but he isn't going to be competing at wimbledon apart from maybe in doubles possibly if he can be bothered to play that in his 40s or certainly getting into 50 and that's where golf is such a fantastic sport obviously we have the handicap system which is a fantastic system that allows us to play until the day we literally drop but to have a major champion a respected major champion as well it's not as if like some old guy won it because no one was playing in it. Like, you know, Brooks Kepka, Louis Oosterhuizen, Podrick Harrington, Shane Lowry, Harry Higgs, Paul Casey. Like you got some serious names just in that joint top fourths that he is beating. Um, it is, it's brilliant. And it's what makes golf so fantastic still to this day. And remember, um, you would have, um, D, uh, uh, um, DeChambeau was playing in that with all his distance yet the 50 year old and obviously he's worked on distance as well can still rock up and compete and that's what makes golf so fantastic we do still have a huge diversity and I think that that event really showed it um, so moving on then to the third major we've got the US Open can you remember who won the US Open putting you right on the spot there i know it's hard when you, you I literally have no i have idea. to look it up i've got it in front of me you'll remember it oh san diego i have no idea who won. exactly i know where it was Pines. it was john ram oh yeah yeah yeah. And yeah we yeah. talked about it and but I'm, yeah. I'm putting you i was being naughty there putting you on the spot if you'd have asked me before i looked it up i wouldn't have remembered either no um, i, I literally yeah. would no I, I i don't know that i would have come up with that for a long time yeah, so John Ram, obviously, so previously the best player in the world without a major, Ram became the first Spaniard to win the US Open. So again, you've got the first Japanese player to win the Open, the first uh, to win the Masters, sorry, you had the first 50-year-old to win a major, and then you get to the third major and you've got the first Spanish player to win a major. So you've got 
three pretty big firsts happening in this year where people seem to want to complain that golf's in trouble and that there's issues and that it's all just whack, whack, whack golf and all the rest of it. I just, like, just fantastic. And obviously, John Ram obviously was really angry that week, as he said. It was one of his <laughs> angriest, angriest weeks. <laughs> um, and again, look at the top five. So here we go. Louis Eusthausen, second. Louis having a Ernie House type year, isn't he? Where he's just like not quite there each time. Harris English, you had Guido from Italy who didn't make the Ryder Cup. He's an Italian player, plays European job. Brooks Kepka again, tied fourth. And who was the Moore. Italian again? It is Guido, I can't say his name, Miglizinio. I'm oh, saying yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know I've seen him. He, he works with a golf travel company. I work, your golf travel. Um, and he's a great success story. You know, you for him, I would go back, I don't know how many years, not many, three, four. I, I lose count of years because the pandemic's kind of made counting years really tough, isn't it? Because there, there were two years where there were they actually years? Like, am I counting them? I know I can't, I don't know where I am. Um, but he was kind of, you know, a sub tour and then got on tour and has done really well. And become, I mean, he was very close to getting in the Ryder Cup this year. Um, and I hope he makes the next Ryder Cup because the next Ryder Cup is in Italy and you get an oh, Italian man. or two in it would just be fantastic yeah, for the tournament, cool. for Italy and for that player. But yeah, John Ram winning the US Open at Torrey Pines. Obviously, Torrey Pines still gets its critiques, doesn't it, from certain yawny crowds. But again, I mean, you've just got a great major with a great leaderboard there. So you can criticise the, the course if that's what you're into. But um, if it produces a brilliant tournament, which it looks like from those results, it kind of did. Well, like the show must go on. It, like the show's worked, isn't it? I just always look at it like, what are you looking for? Like, I feel like that's, again, we won't turn this into a commentary on woke golf course architecture critics, but I'm like, what are you looking for? I mean, you hate everything. And even the one, when you say this is what you're looking for, it doesn't seem like it's what everyone agrees on. I mean, yeah, we yeah. want it to go shorter, but we want it firm and fast. We, it, we want angles to matter. They, it's, it's, it really just does come down to, they want, the golden age stuff that seemed to matter to actually matter. And there's no way it's ever going to, because it didn't matter back then either. People it's just selfish. Didn't... It's selfish. I always think like, yeah. you know, it, it's now my kids are having a turn now. Like I, I'm not, I'm not populating the tens, 16s and 14 year old groups. I've moved on from there. So it's now their turn to make the mistakes and their turn to make the, good choices and the bad choices and learn from them. I can't, I can't stop them doing every good and bad choice. That's that they've got to do it. I always think it's so weird. Like yeah. golf just golf just holds on. So it, the trouble with golf is it golf uses history as a weapon too much. I always yeah. think it literally uses it as a weapon. Um, but anyway, let's not, let's stay back on, let's get back on track. <laughs> it's easy for us two to get off track, isn't it? When it I hate to... romanticism. <laughs> now we can go on. <laughs> so obviously John Ram winning first Spaniard to win the US uh, Open is another first and a great. And John Ram again, um, Lou said it yesterday, he kind of cemented himself possibly at the Ryder Cup, not that he needed to cement himself, but just shown himself in the best fields in some of the best matches that he is going to be one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world going forwards, isn't he? I mean, he yeah. is just... Like watch this space stuff, is he not? I mean, he's got a chance of being a multiple major winner. Um, he's got all the weapons. 
I mean, you just look at that swing and it just like it, it really is interesting to me how much we had wrong back in the day, because I'm not going to say that everybody needs to be going with a bowed lead wrist, but that certainly would have been untaught back in the day. And then when you watch everyone with this and you just think about it being this bowed dead shut club face. And then as these guys are coming through, that lead wrist is uncoiling, which just makes the face appear as though it's not even rotating, but we're adding that speed. And then the face just seems to be just married to the, to the arc for shoot four feet. It just, when you watch it, you're like, that looks so simple and so repeatable. And then you just change your shape with a little bit of ball position and you watch just all of these great players right now. Cause even Brooks, if you look at it, it's like at the top of his swing, it's like his lead rips collapses at the top. It's not like yeah. how DJ's rolling throughout the whole thing. Brooks's looks pretty traditional, if you will. And then just right at the top, the whole thing collapses yeah. and then it's just turn it on. And you just see Spieth, Rom, Morikow, just everybody looking yeah. the same way, whether it's a powerful swing or a not powerful swing, it's, all kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, there is a bit of a pattern there. The other thing I think that's not talked about enough with Ram is the size of the geezer. Oh, yeah. Like, he is not small. No, he's like, a He has childbearing guy. hips. He is like, <laughs> like got Nicholas hips, isn't he? Well, he's he, like he, the first time you see Darren Clark in person, you're like, yeah. Oh, my God. You're like, like yeah, you're- Darren's, I mean, obviously, Darren fluctuates with his weight, and it's great to see him really working that back down again. I filmed with him. But his butt is just always huge. Yeah. There's so much muscle in that guy. Yeah. Just naturally. Um, yeah. Well, we were watching know. some senior tour golf when we were in Italy last couple of weeks ago. It was on. And who was it? Was it Stricker? Would he be playing senior tour? He would be, I think, wouldn't he? He was like one, eight, three ball speed or something. It wasn't Stricker. It was someone else. I can't, I always mix Stricker up with someone, but it was a XPGA tour player who's seen a really famous guy. Guy took his hat off and he had the two tone head. Who was that? Remember he took the picture. He took his hat off and he had the, no, Oh, you do know. Wasn't that Darren Clark? No, it wasn't. But anyway, but I mean, Darren it like the off. visor that's got the fake hair in no, it. No, no, he took his hat off and he had the tan line, so his Uh-oh. top of his head was really white and the bottom because he'd worn his. Well, there's hat a million with that. Yeah, Stuart yeah. Sink looks like a an eraser on top of his head. Like yeah, it some... might have been Sink actually. It might have been Sink. Does Sink play seniors tour now? Not yet. No. No. Okay, but um, Darren Clark came on. He was like one seven three ball speed off off the top of my head. Like, and I, you know, Darren's not the most flexible guy in the world, but he is like, I mean, I filmed with Darren a couple of times and he is a solid chunk of human. You know, yes. he is, he is not slight. Even when he's fit and toned, he is still like, he's not like me, you know, where I'm just like, you're not going to get in a fight with him and push him around. Well, I'd get in a fight, but I would run fast. Cause I I'm not I even saying have... you, I'm saying anybody like that dude yeah. is going to, he's going to yeah. stand his own. <laughs> yeah. And Ram's the same. Like you, you yes. see Ram and he is just, huge like proper like hulk naturally big yeah um i don't think it gets talked enough a lot because i do i'm saying that because obviously you're talking about his action his swing and i think it's really effective and it proves itself it's really effective but his physicality his genetic card is strong coming out of the bat do you know what i mean like he i feel like he's been down an ace where i've got like the three of arts I feel like Brooks is big because of effort in the gym. John yeah, right. would be big yeah. no matter what. Like we, we, we didn't film with Brooks when he played in the Welsh Open years ago because he was European tour. He came around playing with Robert Rock and we were filming with pros on the tee, like taking them off asking questions. 
And the guy I worked with, Matt, said, who should we take on this one? We've got Robert Rock and this other guy. What's he called? He says, Brooks Kepka. I didn't know Brooks was there. I was like, let's have Robert Rocks. We talked to Robert Rock. We didn't talk to Brooks. Brooks looked like me. Like, he yeah. was slight and spindly. Um, yeah. And he totally transformed his body. I honestly think that's a little bit of the beef as well that he possibly has with Bryson, is that Bryson gets all the headlines about how he changed his shape, changed golf. But, and everyone seems to forget that Brooks actually did that first and transformed his game. Like he totally did it like before Bryson was headlined of doing it. And I, I, I don't quote me on that because I don't, I'm pure speculation, but I think there's a part of that that probably annoys Brooks. Like, oh, he's no the doubt. scientist. Well, I'm not a scientist, but I worked this out when I was playing European tour, crossing over to coming back to PGA tour. No one called me a blooming scientist. Well, and, and you know, again, hey, Bryson, I think there's other things as well. Yeah. <laughs> Bryson, if you're li- listening, don't take this the wrong way, but Brooks is an alpha male. Like Brooks, yeah. when he's walking around, he is the alpha lion or tiger, yeah. whatever it is, just rolling around like I will murder any one of you. Bryson's not. I mean, I know Bryson gets a hard time for for being a little bit quirky or whatever, but he's he's a pretty nice guy and he's just your normal nerdy-ish guy that has put in a bunch of work. And so it is, there is a total difference in just testosterone male genetics where you, like you say, Brooks definitely is as the alpha, like you're treading on his territory. Like it is a guy who used to hit it past everyone. I can assure you, I don't like getting it hit past at all. Like nobody yeah. enjoys that, especially if it's kind of one of the reasons you're dominant. Yeah. Nobody's going to enjoy that. And, and the actual alpha male of those two definitely doesn't like the nerdy yes. guy with the with the pop top hat on yeah <laughs> moving it on a little further <laughs> getting to the round of 32 in the world <laughs> long drive championship yeah it's insane so it moves us on then so obviously ram was a great win for spain and europe and just golf because he is going to be just such a world figure in golf for a long time hopefully and it moves us on to the open so the last major of the year and we had colin morikawa win he was he became the first player in the modern era to win two majors in less than 10 major starts so wow. every yeah every major champion this year had a bit of a wow factor to him i mean obviously i'm not comparing it to other years i probably could look at every year and you could probably find some stat but i think they're pretty impressive stats no um, sure first player to win two majors in less than 10 starts and this leads me on a little bit to which i want to ask you about the rookie thing which is something you've talked lots about which i i've got a lot of time for but before i asked you the, about what rookie really means anymore in the world of golf just we look at the top five again colin wins jordan Spieth second that was great, wasn't it? Everyone wants Spieth back. Yeah. I don't know many people who don't just have respect and love for Jordan. He's an ordinary He's just fun to kid watch. who's just really good, and he is fun to watch. He shouts at his ball. He shows emotion, and he holds putts. He's, he's excited. John Ram third, so obviously, you know, wins a major third in the Open. And guess who was joint third as well? So. <laughs> Louis Oosthuizen. So Louis pretty good at golf. Unbelievable. <clears throat> Hazen's gone joint he's um let me get back to sorry he in the masters i don't know where he finished he wasn't top five but then the pga he was second the u.s open he was second and then the <laughs> the open he was third that's quite impressive isn't it that's quite an amazing um year for louis and probably frustrating at the same time but 
Colin. He finished 26 at the Masters after an opening yeah. 76. Then he gets it back to 76 or 26, rather. It's crazy, isn't it? That's a hell of a year for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin, so like you've talked about this lots and we mentioned it a little bit at the start and when we talked about like rookies and what have you. I mean, what does a rookie mean anymore? Like, I just don't think, I, I almost feel a little bit, I mean, when I was playing golf as a younger person and you would have been a similar era, you know, it was Faldo peaking in his 30s, Seve peaking in his 30s, Langer peaking, well, still now you could argue, but he was... <laughs> 30s Woosnam was kind of late 20s 30s as well Lyle 30s so all those European stars um you know you they weren't 19 early 20s winning we've had a Ryder Cup where the oldest player in the winning team was DJ at some 30 something what is he 37 I guess something around there mm-hmm. um I just don't think rookie means as much anymore and I know you've talked about this reference obviously to decade because you can teach people what the rookies might have been missing, you know, in a seminar almost. But I just think the term rookie and the idea that you need experience seems to be coming a bit of a commentator cliche rather than a real thing, possibly. What do you think? I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, these players, especially the ones, because it's also a bit of a self-selecting population, you've made it to the tour. So you have been one of the younger players that has gotten there successfully which again there's a lot of guys young guys still on the corn Ferry tour and many tours that still aren't figuring it out but like you say i mean with satellites and math and data the course management piece i do really believe not just so i can sell a few decade apps but i really do believe that that piece of the puzzle was one of the biggest barriers to entry because not only was it really hard to figure out you had a bunch of really bad cliches that yeah. were that were hard to get through until you got out there and got experience. But then typically by the time, and I still see it all the time with the rookies that I have on the PJ tour, it's really interesting how hard it is for them to get out there and not all of a sudden think, okay, well now I'm on tour. I got to kick it up another notch now and start, you know, really trying to shape some shots and get some looks at birdie. And it's like, dude, just do what you did to get here and just trust that over the course of a season, it'll, it'll give you the results. It's just so hard to not want to get out to a good start and and get a couple of nice finishes early to get a little bit of the moneyless pressure off of you and how these guys just understand course management so much better and then again same thing is podcasts and lots of people i know love reading and whatever but a lot of people don't love reading i'm one of them i love audiobooks and i love podcasts and and if i were to if you were to actually uh transcribe how many pages i listen to a week i would be shocked if it's under 700 to a thousand, which would be the equivalent of reading a couple books a week. Cause essentially all I do while I'm working or even while I'm trying to fall asleep is listen to 20, 30 minutes of podcast here and there. And so when you're able to just listen to this is Michael Jordan telling me what he did, this is Jack Nicholas, this from a psychology standpoint, not a strategy, you start learning about peak performance and meditation being one of the key ingredients for a lot of these guys is it used to just seem like mystical crap like okay you're and it crazy. was cliche wasn't it there was a lot yeah. of cliche i mean i think one of the fan most fantastic um kind of real um like just black and white shows how those cliches would have dominated tour and the opinions of tour and i know it gets brandished around a lot because it's a fun little clip but it's that clip of curtis strains questioning tiger woods you'll oh, learn yeah exactly yeah so that that basically is the perfect 
kind of piece of cake that explains everything that you're mentioning there in one go almost because i know curtis would have been a pretty big voice name obviously he was a you know was he two-time us open winner um i've heard stories about curtis as well from other tour pros that he possibly wasn't the most friendly of guy maybe he was a little bit aggressive with his opinions or his ways um but don't quote me on that that's just what i've heard from other people um and if you were a young, not so sure of yourself rookie, you would have probably looked up to people like that and tried to learn from them where someone like Tiger came along and didn't want to look at, look for Curtis for anything. Did he? Like I would, give... he was looking, he was basically looking through Curtis. That, where Curtis was looking down at him. Curtis was looking down at him and Tiger was looking up and through him almost like he was invisible. Like I know I can see an outline of a golfer there, but I just can't see you. I'm going through you at pace. Basically. Well, it's not like it was hatred. That's what I started to say. Is I would give anything to actually know what was in Tiger's mind during that because, you know, he's like, what do you think about second? He's like, second sucks. And yeah. Tiger's just like, second sucks. He's like, yeah, it does. Like you say, just looking right through him. Yeah. And I guarantee you Tiger's insides is just like, I can't wait to show you how yeah. clueless you are with what yeah. I'm about to do. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a million guys like that or whatever, but Tiger was, Tiger was born a meditator, born to a green beret and a Buddhist mom. That kid is the absolute perfect combination of what, if you had to ask for two parents, those are the ones again, from a peak performance standpoint yeah, and yeah, for yeah. Curtis to just be, I mean, utterly clueless, essentially, about what he was really looking at, especially at that time. Yes. But it really is pretty naive to be like, this kid just won three U.S. amateurs in a row. He's not terrible. And yeah. yeah, this is the PGA Tour. Guess what? Go look at my scoring average. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna well, work they weren't out. doing that then, though, was it? That's the, that's the point. It was that's that's where I think rookie could be kept under the stone. You could put the rookie a little little bit under the stone because they weren't actually focusing on those points. Because I don't think Colin is in any way coming on the tour and is 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 at the moment his results are showing that. I mean, two major wins in less than ten starts. He's coming on there thinking I'm going to win majors. He's coming on there with like, who would come on tour now and not have Tiger's attitude? He well, changed it. Just I mean, because if you come on and you don't start from there, you kind of might as well not come on because everyone else is starting from there. Um, it, it shifted the whole needle, which again is where I think rookie used to mean lots, and it used to be something that gave a commentator. And that's the thing. It used to give the ex-Tour Pro commentator who isn't doing it any anymore even more worth and more value. Does that make sense? Because they're, the, they're not a rookie. I'm the experienced voice. I know I've played this tournament. They'll learn. They'll know. Where now it shows you that those voices actually, I mean, they were just, they still are and were just kind of blagging it as they were getting it wrong. Because, I mean, I've watched so many masters championships where it's like you can't do well in this if first year and you'll struggle to make the cut first year and all these kind of rookie 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 things and i definitely see it's moving away and i think it's only great for golf because we're seeing obviously we've had the year of the 50 year old winning a major so it slightly contradicts this statement but we are seeing younger rider cup teams in the u.s we're seeing younger major champions come through and develop it needs to be making sure it has got cool younger people doing it i think because like you've you got your 50 year old doing it in phil mickelson but he's not a 50 year old is he he's still got a good element of cool on him if you follow him on twitter 
he's fantastically humorous and living a great life. And you would, you could be 20 and look at Phil and think he's cool still. Do you know what I mean? Well, he's, and, he's, and as you're, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 48. It is, it is surprising. I'm how, younger than that. Yeah. It is surprising <laughs> yeah. how young I feel mentally at 48, yeah. you know, physically it's catching up, but mentally, like I still, I, I don't feel much different. I mean, yeah, I'm the same. I'm the maybe, same, right? maybe I need to, luckily I'm not no, the, uh, the old guy. Never. I'm not, I'm not the old guy at the to. bar yet, but yeah. <laughs> I can see why that is though. I'm like, Oh, yeah. Uh, why can't I go hang out with the 25 year olds? I mean, but you look at Morikawa and here's a guy that in 55 starts, he has five wins, which is 9%, which yeah. is, you know, exactly what we've kind of talked about as being like an almost unsustainable number. Yeah. He's made 14 million, which is 255,000 a start, 18 top tens, which is 33%. Like it's just incredible, but Here's Colin that had a very special coach from birth and Rick Sessinghouse. Rick is a pretty mindful guy out of California. Um, teaches a, a, a lot of great stuff. He never had a, a couple of nice conversations on, on the phone. I've never met him in person before, but where I've kind of got to dig in a little bit more with what he teaches and thinks. And it's all just amazing, very mindful type stuff. Because once you, the whole reason people like rookies can't do anything is because they get out there and they freak out. They don't have a skill set yet of how, of what to do in those situations, but now that can just be orchestrated. And again, with a little bit of meditation, you can get yourself into a pretty good frame of mind and then put yourself into that situation and be ready for it. I mean, again, it's not going to go off how you visualize it, but at least you've got a little bit of a framework. And I just don't think people, understood to do that back in the day. I, I certainly didn't. And I certainly didn't know anybody else who did, but if you just happened to have Rick Sessinghouse as a coach, you know, there, there were some around the world doing it, obviously the, 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 yeah, the yeah. great, the all-time great coaches, but now with podcasts and social media, anybody can learn from Rick Sessinghouse. Anybody yeah. can learn from, I don't know why Fran Pirazzola's name's coming to my mind, but Fran Pirazzola, or I'm trying to think of Tiger's original, caddy and, and mindset guy anyone can learn from these guys george mumford michael jordan's meditation coach kobe's coach there's there's his book here's what i teach yeah yeah it takes the yeah, work absolutely. to do it but it's all right here and it, that just didn't exist before i don't think yeah yeah and it will bleed through and it'll reflect out in the outcome of these events with the players won't it which is maybe what we're already seeing but if yep. you had to pick, so you've obviously got Will and Bryson as your top picks of your your highlight of your year. If you had to pick one of those major championships of your highlights, one of those wins, which one would you go for? I, I really did enjoy watching Phil win. It, yeah, it, it, I, I mean, think I would go Phil because yeah. I, uh, I don't think we're going to, when will we see another 50-year-old win a major? I mean, apart from Phil, I don't think we're going to see one maybe for a while. But I mean, it's just I a fluky deal. Even for a guy like Phil, the rest of his season wasn't great. Yeah. It's just a fluky deal to pull off, um, you know, just to have the status and to have the starts. Like, just by definition, there's there's not a whole lot of 50-year-olds in these fields to begin with. Yeah. And, you know, most of those guys that are in it are kind of older and kind of not that they're taking a victory lap, but and they're not – What about this as well, then, in that? So the winning score of the Masters was 10 under. The winning score of the, I'm going to leave the PGA, the US Open was six under. And the winning score of the Open was 15 under. But the fifth place was nine under. Yeah, I mean, winning, again. The winning score of the, the PGA that he won was six under. Gosh, we got to roll it back. Those scores are too low. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and what's funny as well is it says that Kiora Island played with measured 7,849 yards. Well, we did the maths actually on what it physically measured over those four days. Without me looking at my numbers, it was around 7,4, I think. I think it was only, I think it was 73 and change because remember yeah, what, ran some yeah. sort of a contest for yeah. whoever guesses did, or yeah. guesses close, closest. Yeah. So he, he did the math and I, 73 something was stuck in my head. But my point with the scores is, does I remember playing in tournaments and when it became more of a grind tournament, let's say the weather really hit, which it can do on Lynx UK courses when I used to play like top amateur events, it it was a semi-leveler. It would take some of the really top players down to my grinding notch, you know, because mm -hmm. we now all can't reach the par fives and two. I'm not reaching them in two. They are. Now they can't because we're into a 40 mile an hour headwind. Do you see what I mean? So I do yep. wonder as well with PGA a little bit with that course, because it was pretty, that's a pretty funky course, isn't it? The elements play its part. I, I, you know, I'm stretching a bit, but I wonder just, you know, he, he wasn't going to win the Open at 15 under. It no. wasn't that kind of year, but you get a little bit more of a grindy one and he can just get it going and you know what he's good at. He's good at grinding as the best of them. He's probably the grind machine, isn't he, with his recoveries and what have you. Um, but again, but this think... gets back to the to the to the the not people not understanding how hard it is. Like we want the scores lower. Well, I tell you what, or or higher, whatever. Yeah, lower as what, in not. If we so happen to get under. bad weather, it's going to be miserable. Like there's just certain things you just. You kind of yeah. got to prepare, but it's, it's the, as I say all the time, golf is the largest outdoor sport played with the ball in the air, the longest of any sport in the world. The elements just dictate so much about They're massive. Yeah. Cause there's only two things that are really going to slow down these guys at this point, And it's trees and wind. That's yeah. it. Well, the, the rest open, of it, the open 15 under he mark our one and the course on paper here was measuring seven, two. So I'm going to guess that's going to average around six, nine to 7,000 as in what it might have played. I don't know if you've got the numbers there, um, but I, I don't, I can't clearly remember. I'm pretty clear. I'm pretty certain it was a quite a sunny week for St. George's that week. Yeah. As I don't in, really remember it all. Yeah. If you, you know, you go and take that on a proper, the average day at St. George's is a 20 mile hour wind. <laughs> you know those scores are coming down to nine under if that course does what it does 80 percent of the year which is blow a blooming hooligan and and you know plays tough and then the rain comes and it's cold like this is england like we don't have many hot days here <laughs> I've, I've mentioned your name at least three times in the last couple of weeks as it's gotten down to like 90 here in dallas yeah. and i'm literally i'm putting the top down in my car and i'm just driving around like this is amazing and then i'm thinking back to that week because you're talking about how hot it was and i'm like well how hot is it and you're like yeah. or three. that I was hot bro that I was literally hot, top down and feel like it's the most perfect autumn day with the uh, uh, <laughs> with it at 90, 92 degrees. Autumn day, that's crazy. So we're both going to go with Phil. I like that. I'm going to. I'm happy with that. But I'm I'm I was very close with Matsuyama there for me. But I think Phil would be my highlight as a as an equally almost aging person. It was just fantastic, and I think it was fantastic because it showed what golf can be so brilliant at, which is being really really diverse there you go right we've got a little announcement for this is the last episode of season one and uh, it's been a fun season we've done i think 52 or 50 maybe 53 really? episodes scott which has been a real pleasure for me and lou and yourself i've really enjoyed my time but scott won't be joining us for season two which is sad we were going to miss you but you've got commitments and you're feeling like you might want to do 
some longer form, more heavily coaching kind of based ideas, you said? Yeah, I just, I've really enjoyed our longer ones when, that we've done with Victor or Sasha. Yeah. And I really just want to kind of like not get out of golf, but I want to get more into peak performance type stuff. And I just, honestly, I just, with turning 48 and having these two elbow surgeries, my whole plan all along has been to really take the next five years and just try to do nothing, but, but play golf and prepare for the champions tour and make more content for the decade app. So I've really have enjoyed this. I, I honestly didn't, uh, I didn't think we would do nearly as many as we have, but yeah, what I really great. realized is a couple things. I like the longer form podcast, which takes time. And I really want to prepare more because even like Victor, like, okay, I know that guy I can do that. Sasha, I know, but I want to prepare for guests a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I've realized for the ones on the Ryder cup and the majors, like, I really don't have anything to say because I don't watch much <laughs> golf and it dawned on me, whichever one it was like, I'm like, huh, I have nothing to say on this at all. And I'll give, you know, I give Andy with the fried egg a hard time and the no laying up guys. I give him a hard time. I, they do a great job. They put in a lot of effort and a lot of work to make good quality podcasts on the current subjects. I'm just not going to do that. I, a, I don't have any desire to do it, but B, I really would rather take that time and spend it on my own game. And so get on the champions tour. That's what we want to see. That's the game plan. So I'm going to come back and do some guest spots and whatever with you guys from time to time. But uh, yeah. I think I'm going to cruise but on I'm to doing to... something different for a little bit. Fantastic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you, Scott. Same and I you. know the audience have really enjoyed it. And don't worry, Scott will be back for special guest segments throughout season two, which we'll be coming back with myself and Lou. Um, but um, yeah, there'll be plenty more Scott rants coming. Like I, I, I can't, <laughs> Lou doesn't rant enough. You see, I, I like a fellow ranter. Sometimes I rant at Lou and then he just says, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh no, I, I've ranted and he doesn't agree with any of it. Oh, that's a, that's a shame. Um, yeah. But yeah, we will miss you, Scott. But obviously, Scott will be back. Well, thanks yeah. for listening, everybody, as always. Um, it's been a pleasure, Scott, and we wish you well. And I can't wait to see how you go with the Champions Tour. I Absolutely. Same to you guys. You, I mean, you, Lou does an amazing job with the data. You do an amazing job hosting and, and bringing the coaching side. So I, you guys are going to do just fine. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, post comments down below. As always, did you enjoy today's podcast? Are you looking forward to season two? Are you sad that Scott's going? We're sad Scott is going. Um, but as always, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you in season two of the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. <laughs>